0: limited ourselves in unnecessary ways. I think what you and I are going to challenge people in this, you know, the invitation to embrace these new ideas and pushing back on some myths. I think it's going to feel counterintuitive to addressing what feels like scarcity. Right. But really what we're doing is we're broadening the menu and the variety of experiences available to couples in order that they may get more of each other and that they would have experiences that are of higher quality more consistently. I remember when this was first introduced to me and I thought, what a helpful tool to, I don't know, put some definitions on our experiences, give us some terms, and really, invite us as couples to move into a more consistently healthy experience
1: we are two unique female professionals and friends that have come together to have meaningful conversations
0: and a little fun along the way welcome to the arable podcast where curious minds grow i'm your host jenna mountain
1: and i'm your other host kimberly galindo
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for allowing us to take some time to rest and recover. We do as we preach. And we are so excited uh, to be with you guys to kick off a six part series, Fall Back in Love with Your Sex Life, where we are going to unpack what we th- believe to be a very helpful concept map for a variety of um, sexual experiences and intimate encounters that really. We have found to help marriages flourish in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, I think um,
0: we take a lot
1: for granted when it comes to sexuality, marital sexual experiences, and um, you know, and we'll talk about a lot of myths that um, show up um, with sex, you know. But I think you know, having a concept map. Is so valuable because I think it helps us to check in with ourselves and with our spouse mm-hmm. and kind of how we're doing. And I feel a little less like you're kind of wafting and like, how, how are we, is this, this part's not going well, but how are we doing? And so yeah. I think this one, I don't care what topic it is. Anytime we have a language for yes. something like, I mean, you and I love the Enneagram like having that language for describing ourselves in our experience. Like, Oh, it's so helpful. Relationships. This is um, a similar experience for me, and I know for um, any of the counseling or coaching clients that I've worked with, that you know, having this concept map gives us a guide to figure out where yep. we are, how we're doing, where it's working, where it's not working. <laughs> you know, um, and then I think with it's such a robust map that it gives us the ability to. I don't know, like assess, reassess, Mm -hmm. learn, unlearn. Um, And it's in so many ways, it's like so simple and so complex. And so I'm excited to share it with the listeners and and really dive into it in the series.
0: Yeah. um, And for the listeners, if it sounds a little bit different today, um, Kimberly and I have decided to do this recording in person. So because of the pandemic, because of realities of life, because we typically bring on a lot of guests and do interviews and conversations and dialogue. Uh, we are typically in separate locations. But part of our self-care, outside of just taking some time off and sabbatical, is to sit across from each other. with A little table in between us, holding one mic. And so, if it sounds a little different, it's because um, we're loving on ourselves. And we're, we're having some human interaction today. Hopefully it will be a better experience for you all. I know. So- I if do. we're feeling better, you'll feel better. <laughs> I do think this is a strong possibility. So um, this is sort of our introduction episode. Again, um, we'll be walking through this concept map over the next six weeks. And so we're gonna we're gonna lay out the big concept. Um, this idea of a continuum of love making. I love what you were saying, Kimberly, because I think what I'll Piggyback add to that is that we, oh, for a lot of reasons that we will probably unpack across the course of these episodes, we limit ourselves in the variety that is actually available to us. And I, I think I'm about to jump in the deep end pretty quickly here. I think a lot of it is driven by scarcity mentality. Mm. So we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about a lot of other factors that impact our ability to embrace this or not embrace this or struggle with it. Um, but I think that many couples, many married couples in their sex lives have taken on cultural myths, are mm-hmm. functioning in scarcity mentality, are facing very real challenges, are in difficult seasons. Hello, all of us this last 15 months. And because of that, we have limited um, ourselves in unnecessary ways, and I think what you and I are going to challenge people in this, you know, the invitation to embrace these new ideas and pushing back on some myths, I think it's going to feel counterintuitive Mm -hmm. to addressing what feels like scarcity. Right. Right. But really what we're doing is we're broadening the menu and the variety of experiences available to couples Mm -hmm. in order that they may get more of each other and that they would have experiences that are of higher quality more consistently. Thus, they would feel more satisfied over time, Mm -hmm. which, again, if we think about this idea of scarcity, it's like this idea like there's never going to be enough. I'm never going to be satisfied. And so I, I think we're going to push on some people. I think it's going to feel counterintuitive. This is a, this is actually a lot of the concepts that we spend a lot of time teaching, uh, a lot of time teaching and coaching and counseling. Um, and I'm excited because I think if some couples are willing to take this in, it, it could be really life-changing for their lovemaking, for their sex lives. Absolutely. So amongst this concept, we're going to touch on a lot of other things. So we're going to take this concept map. We're going to break it down over the next six episodes. And we are going to integrate a lot of other stuff, too. We're going to talk about being Mm trauma-informed. We're going to talk about um, allowing female sexuality to flourish in a predominantly male sexuality-informed world. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to do some myths versus facts. We're going to do a little myth-busting. Uh, we're going to talk about the difference between kind of like newlywed, new relationship, uh, novel phase versus that long, committed, monogamous, bonded lovemaking and sexual experience. Yeah. We're going to cover physical factors, challenges, sexual dysfunction, how that kind of shows up in here. Sure. And a lot of other things. I know you've brought quite a few notes to integrate here. If you want to kind of touch on, here's some other things we're going to be doing.
1: Yeah, I think um, taking this concept map and Again, like you said, we're going to, there's there's so many myths at each point within um, the map that we're going to spend our, our primary focus on, but I think in, in the entire sexual experience and the, the yeah. relationship between two people, um, there are, in every point of the process, there are myths, and I think that's where um, we get uncomfortable, because most of us aren't aware that we're just living out myths in our sex life, and then oh, yeah. we don't know why it's not quite working. Yeah, because we don't know we're living according to a myth, and so um, we we just have a high value on speaking to uh, obviously not every myth, and more, this is not this is not replace you know um, a degree in sex therapy or anything like that. But you know, every point of the sexual response cycle, there there's myth every type of sexual experience that we're gonna mm-hmm. describe in this map that we're gonna give you has myths in it. Um and I think that that's why we feel uncomfortable and that's what it's pumping up against is oh I always thought this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. You're telling me now that desire arousal, orgasm, trauma is the impact on sex, um had I've, I've held on to myths in that. I thought bodies work like this. I thought experiences work like this. I thought this gender experienced this, this way. And it's, um, I think it's really important. And so, though, we're not trying to, you know, you will not receive a certification in sex therapy at the end of this series. Um, <laughs> this
0: does not replace coaching or counseling because this is just the education portion, right? right? This is, we're providing this to the community, but if you struggle to receive it, or work through it, or adopt it, or let go of something. That's where coaching and counseling could be really beneficial. Yeah, for sure. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the type of dialogue that should be happening in each of these phases, mm-hmm. um, types of communication, mm-hmm. intimate communication, sexual communication. We're gonna talk about, you know, we'll probably touch on it here and there, like when you might need help. You know, I sort of have just teased that idea, but we will integrate that throughout that. Um, and I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. Okay. We have uh, been taking your questions on our Instagram pages, and um, uh, on the last episode, we're going to be answering some of those um, and kind of just popular questions, and then um, uh, maybe we'll We'll end up doing some more things. I've, uh, we've got fun plans for, for our fall series um, beyond this. Okay. So let's introduce this concept. Yeah. This is a concept, um, and we will link in the show notes um, mm. where to buy this book. It's a tiny book. That's really, this is not a cumbersome read. Mm-hmm. Um, but inside of this text, there is a book called Total Intimacy, Um there is a concept called the continuum of involvement in lovemaking, which I typically just call the continuum of lovemaking. Mm-hmm. And what it does is offers some categories and language for the type of lovemaking experiences, the like the wide variety um, that we tend to have in our relationships. Uh, and I remember when this was first introduced to me and I thought what a helpful, What a helpful tool to, I don't know, put some definitions on our experiences, give us some terms, and really invite um, us as couples to move into a more consistently healthy experience that, like, honors all parties. Yeah. And as you and I have used this and continued to study um the area of sex and intimacy i think this has gotten even more robust than what people just find in the book um as we integrate all of these ideas which is like, uh, an- another driving reason why we decided to do this series like we love this concept map and now let's let, let us even tell you what we have further learned mm-hmm. about each of these areas and why it is so difficult and problematic and why it is so beautiful and wonderful and why actually my favorite category from a mental health coaching perspective is actually not the category everybody's going to think. I think I'm going to probably catch everybody off guard by that. in that. And so let's introduce the listeners to this continuum. If you put it on a scale from zero to 10, let's break down these different categories and start to give some basic definitions. Yeah.
1: So it's a continuum. I mean, that's, the literal kind of map, if you will, so if you can visually, um, by the use and guide of our words, just imagine a continuum, you know, we have zero to ten, um, and then with along that uh, continuum we have um, different levels of involvement and in the lovemaking cycle, mm-hmm. um, and so it starts with, so we have like zero to one is pity pity sex, 50 sex. Uh, two is duty sex, three to four is nurturing, so that kind of middle area, uh, five to seven is connecting, and then eight to ten is passionate, and again, we're going to break up each of these in separate episodes, but that's, I mean, that's the I mean, big concept, that's the big concept, is there's this spectrum of experiences, which typically is the first point at which we have to cause because mm-hmm. I think we have the, no, there's just, there's just sex. So you just go and have sex and it mm-hmm. the expectation or the sex expectation, if you will, is, <laughs> is our goal is to have this experience and all of the myths in the world have told us that like, it's this experience and yeah. that's typically the, the eight, nine, 10 sex. Right. Um, and like, yeah. This is typically where people pause and go, oh, there there are other options. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm experiencing some of those. Um, and so, um, one, I think it's a very human um, concept map, you know, because we don't. We're not yeah. just categories. It's not just black and white. It's so nuanced. It's so contextual.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Every relationship, whether there's positive or challenging contextual factors um, is not going to sit in a checkbox or you know a black and white uh, formula and so that's where even if you listen to the episodes and you find yourself in the categories that just aren't as enjoyable along this continuum I think my hope is that you will find relief and validation in that so that you can at least name it and go oh maybe there's something else I could could think about here um and and I don't know I I think it can be extremely validating to to be able to see uh nuance and complexity because we are so complex as human beings and then you know our sexuality is complex and so as simple as a zero to ten line with a few words above it, sounds, it is so rich and it's so complex. And so I think, um, you know, it teaches a lot.
0: Yeah, and I think part of the problem that you're describing is for a lot of people, and I do think this is generally the human experience when we either lack the education or the growth or the development in ourselves, it's a very human tendency to go, It's either good or bad, and I definitely want to be in the good category. And when you do that and you don't have more of a continuum on this, what I've seen happen with a lot of couples is if it's not this 8, 9, 10 passionate sex, which they've either had or they've watched on a movie or they've seen in culture or they've Mm -hmm. absorbed from porn, then the mentality is it's not good enough and thus it must be bad right and the truth is is and we're going to talk about this when we get there 8 9 10 sex does not happen every day and so because that's become the only good the words become it's not good enough thus everything else is bad and so these other parts of the spectrum that can actually be incredibly wonderful end up being labeled as bad and then and then i i, I do think this is true that meaning making that we do to those not eight, nine, ten experiences, yeah. start to slide us down to the continuum where we're actually living in pity and duty sex. So, then everything really does become there. And well, this is an example of a self fulfilling prophecy. You've made such rigid categories that now the bulk of the continuum can be positive, but because you couldn't allow for that and you didn't know that you could allow for that, we have now slid all the way down, and we really are having pity and duty sex all the time. Right. So. Yeah, this, this is, again, I think as we break this down and we throw out some challenges and I think sometimes we have to grieve the lies that we've been told that we thought we wanted. And that's probably one of the hardest challenges that I experience working with married couples is like, you mean, I have to let go of this idea, which is grief that I'm not going to probably have. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here going, it's to expand your universe Not limit (laughs) it, but you have to let go of what you have adopted and taken in and rigidly really held on to with tight grip. And so, yeah, I'm excited. I think this is going to be really helpful, and you and I are trying to kind of um, have a bit of a primer episode today to help people know how to take in this information that we're going to present over the next So let's kind of walk along the continuum and give the basic definitions from the book mm-hmm. for each of these categories and say just a little bit about each of them um, so that we can kind of get this get this in our head. Yeah.
1: So, again, the zero to one is pity. Um, this is motivated by, I think, gosh, a lot of things, but I think guilt, frustration, um, maybe pushiness by the other spouse. Maybe it's avoidance of conflict. Um, not neither person's enjoying this, you know. No, um, it's not satisfying for anybody. No one enjoys pity sex. Like um, any real intimacy, you know, really is non-existent a lot of,
0: here. A lot of pouting and punishing is oh, yeah. driving this experience,
1: and very often this is going to lead to resentment.
0: Oh, deep resentment. People resent
1: giving this. It's because and receiving
0: that. <laughs> I, I would even push back on using the word giving because I'm not sure it's given. I think it's almost like, um, I'm trying to find a good word in my head. You, you've just kind of given up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really a gift. It's not coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. It is full of resentment. Um, a lot of people I work with that are having a lot of pity sex, Um, on the, the the person who just gives up, um, so typically the lower, lower drive, uh, desire partner, um, I find that they feel objectified. There's not, there's not a, there's not like a connection that's driving it. Um, it's a, it's a survival tactic, which Mm -hmm. that's a terrible place to be functioning from. Um, and I do think that they end up feeling either their bodies or their sexuality has is just feels, I, I have a lot of people who report, it just feels objectifying because I am just the, I am the receptacle of your sexual drive, not connecting with you. Yeah, Like they just feel like I, a lot of them, it, it's very wounding mm-hmm. and the partner that maybe on the driving side of it, because we don't want to dehumanize that person. Um, they feel, I mean, desperate is a word that comes up for me. Mm-hmm. Very much so starving. Mm-hmm. Their drive, you know, our sexual drive and desire, um, higher drive partners is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to dehumanize that person. When we talk about this person, this other person not, not really wanting to, to do anything but pity sex I don't think anybody wants pity sex either. I think people find themselves in pity sex. Oh, sure. Nobody signs up for pity sex. Mm-hmm. It's no. like somewhere you find yourself.
1: Yeah, I think people, Yes, for sure. You find yourself there, and then a lot of folks, they don't know how to get out of it. Um, and don't know that there are other options. There's resentment, and they're fighting for it. But again, when you don't have a concept map, it's like, well, how did we get here? We're here. and I'm resentful about it, and I don't, I don't know what else.
0: To yeah, do, you know. So for sure. Next category is duty sex. Um, this is just one tiny step up from pity sex. Uh, this one is, I find most of the people I work with are probably hanging out in duty sex more than pity sex. Um, these are typically so close together in their neighboring categories, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Um, But this is where, like the title, it's a duty. We hear words like marital obligation, meeting the needs of the other person, typically the higher drive person, but it is not coming from a place of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you've ever worked with me, I actually would push back even on the use of the word needs. Um, uh, even though you you will find that in this text, but like the very real experience of desire and drive um, that is being experienced by the higher drive partner, but again, it duty sex, um, like pity sex, is not fulfilling. Yeah, it's not satisfying for either partner. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as resilient. Sentiment filled as pity sex because pity sex is like I am looking down at you
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but duty sex is I, I mean I have a lot and I and you know we, we work a lot with some belief systems that believe in like the marital obligation and you know I do not get into like a theological debate um what I do present though is if you know if we're going to have duty sex you're going to if you're going to present it as an obligation what you're going to get is duty mm-hmm. and i love that this text actually goes it's not going to be great it's not going to be satisfying mm-hmm. for anybody like what you're going to get is it, 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 you know we see a memes about people doing chores and sex being a chore i'm sorry if it's an obligation it might be a chore mm-hmm. it's not a great invitation and the job may get done and it's not really enjoyable
1: <laughs> So yeah. we've got
0: zero to one pity, two duty. I'll let you take the next one,
1: and then we've got three to four on the continuum, which is nurturing, um, sex.
0: Um, nobody knows about this category.
1: No one, <laughs> no one knows about this one. Um, or even probably the next one. Um, but this is where um, there's lots of honor, um, and willingness, and again, the posture is different. You'll hear us talk about that. The heart, um the motivation, and then, you know, surprise, surprise, in turn, the experience is different (laughs) Uh because the, the intent, the heart, um, the starting place is different. And this is where, um, we, and one, let's just validate and and bust the myth that like the, the goal is the, to be at the same desire level. Like I think that's not a thing, not a thing. Most relationships Um, there is a desire discrepancy and that you're having to navigate and and sort through. And and, and sometimes that that pairs up really nicely most of the time. it does.
0: Yeah, if you happen to be one of those people that it's really hard to tell the difference between you and your spouse. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Bravo. Sure. We'd like to hear from you. You are a rare breed. Yeah. And I'm going to say this too. I think life's going to throw curveballs that in the ideal, Mm -hmm. these people are on the same page. But life is... Life impacts our experience of our sexuality and our desire level and our drive level and our energy level. And so like, even if that were true in a theoretical vacuum, mm-hmm. life might keep you from experiencing that reality on a consistent basis. So I just, yeah, let's bust that right now.
1: So, so nurturing is where uh, there's a, you can talk about the posture of the lower um, desire, drive person to, really want to nurture and love the higher you know mm-hmm. desire like there's just this like oh we are in different places but I so desire to nurture our relationship your sexual experience yes and I really want to it, like to, to your earlier point this is a gift this is like oh you know and I we take it into like a different space um, I always use food as metaphors um but like Maybe it's like, hey, I really wasn't in a place where I'm craving tacos tonight. But you were just like. But I'll eat tacos with you. Man, I want some, (laughs) you know, I want some tacos tonight. And I, I, you know, and then the other person's like, oh, I'd love to give you the gift of that experience. I'll eat tacos with you. Even though I'm in a different place because I just love you so much and I care about you and I want to nurture you in this way. Um, there's a willingness, um, you know, people don't walk away from nurturing sex um, with you know, resentment. Or feeling objectified. Feeling objectified. It's positive. Or pressure. I think yeah. pressure
0: peels off when nurturing sex is an option on the table. Yeah, it's just, it's a really great
1: experience, um, but it is counter to, I would say, the myths that Most we... Most cultural myths. The myths that we have been taught about what sex should be. Yeah, we're shitting on ourselves a lot. There's lots of shoulds when it's like, here's what sex is. And if it is
0: nurturing sex,
1: well, then, not,
0: ooh, that's not. It. Even if they have a category for nurturing sex, it gets poo-pooed on. But most people don't even have it. And so because mm-hmm. they don't have it, they just skip down yeah. or demand up. Yeah. And I, it's just, again, guys, we're trying to get you more of each other. The next one, five to seven, is connecting sex. Now, I'll just start right now, not because I have an issue with the uh, term connecting sex or what that stands for. What I get frustrated with with this model, this would be like one of my critiques, is that what nurturing sex requires, I actually think deepens connection. We're going to unpack that when we get to Mm -hmm. that episode. And so I think it's a little bit of... Could be misleading to think that you're not connecting and nurturing sex, and I actually think it demands some of the greatest maturity. Again, we're gonna get there, but five to seven is connecting sex. Um, it is uh, what the author calls warm, slow, playful, tender. So, again, we're not quite up to that last category, which I like to enduringly refer to as swinging from the chandeliers, whatever that means for you in your relationship. But this sex is um, a little bit more mutual as far as where we are in wanting to have sex, right? Mm -hmm. So you talk about this nurturing sex of like, this has the capacity to hold space for people in different places. Whereas Mm -hmm. connecting sex is we're a little bit more on the same page, but we might not be doing everything we need to do to have this passionate sex, which is the next step up. And so, you know, but, but I like that there's like, it's five, six and seven that are kind of encompassed in um, the connecting Sexual experience part of the continuum, so like there's a variety that happens mm-hmm. within connecting. I'm going to jump back to that. There's a variety that happens within nurturing, and so um, it can it can slide up and down um, as far as like the intensity level or the satisfaction level or what it includes within connecting sex. And and one of the one of the things that the author in this tech quote, text quotes, and um, and we we love Barry McCarthy's work. Um, but he is, is the one that I think is responsible for coining, coining the term good enough sex. Yeah. And um, that's not a common concept based on a lot of, again, the myth that we have caught or been taught um, in our society and culture and our families and all of that is that, like, most sex is good enough sex. Mm-hmm. And so when you put nurturing and connecting from three to seven. This is actually where most sex happens. Mm-hmm. Nobody receives that. Yeah, like we fight against that. Mm-hmm. We're like, we don't have a good sex life unless we're eight, nine, tenning it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, I appreciate Barry McCarthy's work and giving us this concept of good enough sex. Most sex is good enough sex. Most couples live between these two categories on the spectrum most of the time. Um, and so, if you're if you're trying to don't know i'm gonna gently use the word assess if you are having a healthy sex life i don't think people have a good measuring stick and i actually think this would be very validating and freeing for a lot of couples this idea of nurturing and connecting sex yeah it can be very permission giving and because i I think we are
1: again it's black and white either we're gonna have duty pretty sex or we're gonna have eight to ten passionate sex and like I, then I think we automatically default to just the duty, pity sex because eight ten is not realistic, and we'll get into like relational and even physiological, biological context that you know make that what it is. But it's like, oh, to actually put more points on the continuum um, can be very freeing. But then it also it, there's tension because, like you said, it's. People think they're giving something up. I'm Oh, I'm losing so much here because you as sex therapists and coaches need to get me to 8, 10 sex. I mean, that's what we hear all the time. Oh, man. That's my goal. And then, again, there's grief and loss. And I think just, just sitting with that, I'll validate that. Like, you're just sitting with, oh, I feel like I'm going to lose a
0: lot here. A lot of people walk in really thinking that they should be getting 8, 9, 10 sex two to three times a week. Yeah, It's like, it's...
1: Which is why we have such a shame crisis when it comes to sex, because it's,
0: yeah. okay, that's the goal,
1: we're not getting there, I'm not receiving that, I'm not giving that, and what does it say about me? What does it say about the other person? What does it say about our relationship? Um, so yeah, those, those two points along with continuing nurturing and connecting are
0: wildly undervalued. Yeah, wildly undervalued, (laughs) not talked about, um, at all, um. Okay, well, tell us about passionate sex.
1: Let's so this wrap is,
0: up this concept map.
1: This is um, eight ten. This is where most you know most of the myths say this is where we should be. Um, is that passionate sex? There's it's more focused on intensity. Um, you know, orgasms. Um, I think the word thermonuclear wow was used from the text. From the text, <laughs> you know, this is the thank you, authors. What is the you know the phrase? Uh, hanging from the chandeliers. Um, I think this is, and again, this happens. It's not that it's, I'm not yeah, saying it's and a it's great point. when it does. And it's fun. Yes, I want to validate. Like, if you're thinking, oh, I've had those experiences, or I just had that experience, and, and like, no, this great. Awesome. That is, it's fantastic and it's a, a wonderful experience. It is just not relationally, contextually, even
0: biologically, physiologically possible. It's not. I like I I mean yes, bio, it's it's not biologically possible for most people to maintain that two or three times a week. But I think about we're gonna unpack this. I think about what it is required. So so can you and I coach to this? Yes, we can. We can. We can coach people on how to have wow sex. Right. We're not we're not like withholding that information. We're gonna talk about it. I don't think people want. People want the outcome of that and have no concept map for the requirements to get there. And I'm not even just talking about biologically. I am talking about money, time, resources, energy. And when we start unpacking this, it's going to make a lot of sense. And people are going to go, oh, so I can have that. I can go for that. But, like, I always look at the person who's insisting having that every time and go, you willing to, to put that investment in this is where um every time you want to have that.
1: yeah i think this is this happens a lot on vacations without kids
0: yeah this is the kind of sex and i love having. that sex that's great sex it's you've been at the beach sex. all day you've had nice
1: dinners you don't have children you don't have laundry
0: i don't have to clean a house i don't even make my bed on vacation there are people doing that for
1: me exactly um
0: so again, yeah, it's a great thing it's just not where we always are, that's and not where we are on a daily basis, yeah, that's yeah. just not where we are. And so, and again, you and I want to hold space for, I don't know, the people who are going, "Oh, you're busting my my vision, my bubble that that's where we're we're shooting for all the time. That's real. There's some loss there because we, we really have fallen in love with an idea that is what I'm gonna say is I think it's a lie and I want it to be permission giving that I think you're going to get more sexual satisfaction um in in the long run and so I'm excited I'm too and we can and and we're going to we're going to again like we said in the beginning we're going to weave in a lot of ideas um because I think you and I know as Trauma therapists from a trauma informed lens. From a, man, you and I focus on um, congruence and actual connections, not just bodies clapping together. Mm-hmm. We're going to really lean into some of that uh, as we kind of walk through this being our our little bit a little bit of our roadmap. Um, so that I don't know, I, I'm hoping that people find some validation and some opportunity for growth along the way. Mm-hmm. So. Welcome, yeah, to our six-part series. Yeah, we're excited that you're here. Uh, we do this every episode. We're going to do it on these two. So, as we introduce this concept map, Kimberly Galindo, what was your takeaway?
1: Um, I I think I'm just uh, I'm always every time I teach this and I talk about it a lot. So, um, I am just always grateful when we get to add nuance and language to something that's complex and can be so wounding, and I just, um, I have found it to be very freeing for so many people that I work with, and so, um, you know, just the the reminder that we're, we're all living in a really kind of normal place that is so powerful when it comes to our sex lives, and that's like, that's such a gift. Yeah.
0: So what about you? Let's take away? Some of this just has to do where with where I am um in in my personal life and and but I think the concept applies here too i'm I'm in this season of pruning where I'm just really loving being pruned. I feel very loved by the vine dresser. You will hear some of my theology coming out in that um, I think our listeners are gonna get pruned mm-hmm. and you understand anything about that process, it is to take care of the flourishing and the health of the plant and the vine so that it can be more fruitful than what it would be had we not cut off some stuff. So I am excited about the great unlearn on this sexual stuff that we're going to be inviting some people into that will prune some beliefs so that their sex life may be a little more flourishing. That's the hope. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Arable Podcast is hosted by Jenna Mountain and Kimberly Galindo. And edited and co-produced by Chris Vargas and hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
1: Visit our website, arablepodcast.com and find Arable Podcast on Instagram or Facebook.
0: You can also find both of us on Facebook.
1: You can find me, Kimberly Galindo, on Instagram at the Kimberly Galindo.
0: And me, Jenna Mountain, on Instagram at the Jenna Mountain.